almost over and the county has a new special needs database and also we're going to talk about how a change in the state legislature could hurt the abandoned mill site redevelopments here in Anderson County and across the state. We're also going to look at a review of the first 17 months of the countywide EMS system plus updates on recreation, economic development and more on the Anderson Observer podcast news from people you trust and some more big news coming from the Anderson Observer soon. I will bring you up to speed on that soon. It's been another great week in Anderson, and it looks like we're finally out of drought status for the entire county. It's been a while. Lake is full, and apparently the lake is still a factor because it is part of the latest rankings of the best places in the United States to buy a house that lists Anderson, which is listed with the National Association of Realtors in the somewhat odd market of Anderson Greenville Malden, which I found odd. That's a weird grouping. Anyway, we're ranked fifth, the fifth best best place in, in the United States to buy a house. Now, good luck finding one. And with interest rates, good luck affording one. But it is great to see more and more people are coming here. I know people have talked to people from all over, and you run into people. If you're just talking to somebody in line at the grocery store, where are you from? How would you get here? It's amazing to see how Anderson has become a place where people are moving from all over the country. And in other rankings this week, Anderson University continues to score high on the U.S. News and World Report rankings. They were uh, their online criminal justice program was listed as the top program in South Carolina and one of the top 50 in the country. So congratulations to them. AU continues to grow. They had the biggest class in history uh, this year. So uh, kudos to them. It's always good to have a university in the town, get a new engineering program, lots of good stuff going on out there. We'll bring some updates with that in the, in the days ahead. Also this past week, Anderson County Chamber of Commerce CEO Pamela Christopher was chosen as the Vice Chairman of the South Carolina Department of Transportation Commission, which is a good thing for Anderson County and for her. She has been working with them before and she has done an excellent job leading the Chamber and her understanding of the roads and needs in Anderson County should help us avoid getting ignored, which often happens when it comes to funding. Uh, and it'll be great to see her. And I know she'll be a, a really good and uh, diligent member of that, leading that uh, Highway Commission. Meanwhile, uh, the State General Assembly is back in full swing, but still stuck on what it took up far too much time in the last session, which was an attempt to effectively outlaw all abortions in South Carolina. However, somebody views the issue of abortion. I know it's highly emotional and highly political and lots of other things. It really It's hard to swallow that it is the state's most pressing issue. And since earlier attempts to exclude any exceptions for abortion, notably rape, incest, and life of the mother, have been tossed out by the courts, it seems questionable to vote so much time for this issue, but sadly it's not the only rabbit they're chasing down in Columbia. Lawmakers in the House are pushing a bill that attacks the teaching of racial issues where any ethnic group in history is, is identified as either subjugated or privileged in some way under that boogeyman umbrella of critical race theory, which nobody really seems to be able to define. This notion is both silly and dangerous because it creates a situation that doesn't allow us to address inequality in a systematic way if we don't believe there are still issues that have historic roots that are still causing racism. If you have any friends who are black or other minorities, ask them to share how many times they have witnessed or have been treated or viewed differently because of the color of their skin. 
to suggest that while we've made progress that this is not still going on would mean you'd have to walk through life with a blindfold on not to see the difference in how people are treated on the basis of race, sex, religion, ethnicity, and I will even add economic status. It's silly to suggest otherwise and to try to push out of the schools what's happened historically. It doesn't help us to both avoid them in the history and also deal with our current problems. The legislators' so-called Freedom Caucus gang is pandering to the national polit political trends among the hyper-conservative. Uh, it's a reflection of the neoconservatism that has emerged over the past decade or so, which puts inflammatory issues out because they're easy fundraising fodder, and it, but it puts those above the basics of serving the people of the state or nation with the basic responsibilities of government. In the state, that means the state is charged with monitoring accountability systems to prevent corruption, to create and enable legal environment so citizens may participate in the market and can capitalize on the economic advantage of being a part of the state. They serve as guardians of infrastructure such as roads and through public utilities such as electricity and water. They help us to decide on investing in education and how to deal with public health and to guard and improve our human capital of the citizens. Um, the state legislature is also charged with public financial management. Uh, in, a, in a way that's both effective, transparent, and accountable, and which protects public access. They're also charged with citizen engagement, where engaging citizens and addressing barriers to inclusion will build a better state and build better relations among citizens within the state. They're also charged with disaster repair preparedness, and these are some issues. And look, the plate is full without being drawn into a long debate on special sessions or on issues which are not part of the court charge to those who are elected. Our legislative delegation is honest and hardworking, but has been subject increasingly to the pressure of partisan politics, which was evidence in the last year's election. And I recognize these are not the only things our wildly underpaid legislators are working on. Their plate is full, and they are trying to deal with some of those core issues, too. But it's important to note that while they're trying to do those things, it's often uh, set on the back burner while they deal with these, these issues that are basically the bright, shiny object syndrome and they're unnecessary distractions when there's so many things the state needs to work on and do. Fortunately, Home Rule, which started in 1976, has been really good, at least in Anderson County, because it provides some relief from this distraction-oriented um, legislation because they're not, not really subject to the political partisanship. Anderson County leaders, as well as those in the towns and cities across this county, are far more focused on working on issues which are crucial to all citizens and giving them a better chance to a good life. I know these people, and um, I know the leaders, and I know what they're doing, and, and I get pushback from this sometimes, but I'm quick to add that expecting perfection from anybody is crazy, uh, or even focusing on a single issue that I don't agree with that vote. That's part of that's part of government, as being able to vote. But that's not the way to evaluate how good our leaders are. And I know the leaders who serve these towns and cities in the county at large uh, are not those who have chosen to take office for any reason other than trying to help the citizens of the area. They are public servants and they know that and that's why they're doing this. Again, there's no financial benefit from this. And they're not at least publicly drawn into national partisan debates during county council meetings, town council, city council meetings. They remain instead focused on the local needs and issues of the folks they're serving. Our General Assembly could take a page from this book and veer away from the issues of the month that distract from issues which are far more important to the vast constituency. They should also listen to the local and county leaders on which issues impact the entire state. And one of those is economic development, uh, a cut which could cause problems for many of the counties and cities across the state. And a recent, that recent example is a cut in the tax incentives which make it possible to find developers willing to clean up and redevelop abandoned textile mills. 
this has and will directly impact Anderson County, which has many such sites. And Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns said the decision was pennywise and pound foolish in our recent interview this week, where he also addressed far more issues, such as uh, economic issues in Anderson County, recreation, and other things, and an update on what else is going on in Anderson County. All right, since last time we met, there have been, there's been a lot of movement in recreation quality of life front. The funds are finally in place to evaluate and perhaps begin the new Anderson Belton Trail. Remind people about that property and what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the old rail line, Piedmont Northern, that ran from the city of Anderson to Belton. And it was owned by, eventually by Duke Power, Duke Energy. And it's abandoned. It doesn't work. They don't use it anymore, but they still have, I'd say, 95% of the right-of-way. So Duke Energy gave us a grant of $250,000. And we have turned that over to the United Way and put together a group in conjunction with the United Way and others to a, do the preliminary trail work, engineering, to get that project going because we think that would be just another leg on a trail system that would encompass the city of Anderson and Anderson County. But you got to start somewhere. But in terms of trail building, that's very easy because you know who owns the bulk of the right-of-way. So they've been very cooperative working with us on that. So hopefully that's something we will continue to build on. The $250,000 is not enough to complete the trail, but to get in a situation where we could go seek other funds after that. It's also wide enough for a trail. It's sort of a built-in place ready to... It's, it's, it's a built-in trail. Yeah. If you look at a lot of the trails around the country, they are on all abandoned railroads. And so that's going to be something that's very exciting. And I think it has more potential than people know. County owns that property near the old Toxaway Mill area. We've done environmental cleanup down there. We've done some cosmetic work down there. We think that will really be a key to spurring development in that part of town because you have Anderson University there, that property's right there, and that trail almost comes right into there. So we think there's a lot of potential there. That's where I was going to, so there's a history lesson in the fact that it goes from Main Street in Belton to North Gossett Street in Anderson. Yes. You don't think about that area. No, you don't. Area you don't, but, but it can be and will be. And what we've talked to with several groups about hoping it could become a technology corridor or a technology center because of its proximity to the AU and just the general area where it is. Council also gave the final uh, approval to the public space on the Saluda River. There's so much going on in that area. Why is that project such a big deal? Uh, the Piedmont Park, is that what you're talking about? Well, that is a big deal. We've secured a half million dollar grant to develop that uh, pet project of Councilman Jimmy Davis. And we also have received another $100,000 from the legislative delegation, which puts us right at $600,000. And we have also put in a request for another $500,000 that Senator Mike Gambrell is working diligently on for Anderson County. And our first phase for that is right at a million dollars. So if we can get that, and hopefully we could get that money in uh, middle of August, 
we could really go to town and start working on that project. That's a very exciting project. There's a lot going on in Piedmont, a lot of energy in Piedmont. They went all out for Christmas this year. On the Greenville side, they're fixing up the uh, huge old house over there. Uh, we met with them last week about doing some cleanup around the dam on the Anderson County side. So there's a whole lot of activity in that part of the world, a lot of activity, a lot of dedicated citizens pushing that project. And that Piedmont Park is, is 29 acres, is that right? 29 acres off the top of my head, right yes. Right on the Saluda River. Right on the Saluda River, and it's beautiful, it's forest, and there's an old road there, and we just like that to make that available to the public because it's a beautiful part of the river. How will that play into the Blue Trail and all the other Saluda River well, stuff? We it will be beside Dolly Cooper Park, it will be the largest thing. So you could actually have a route between that park, the Piedmont Park, and Dolly Cooper and make that almost like a super interstate highway for people with kayaks and inner tubes and things like that. Uh, any improvements underway at Green Pond? I know it's the sort of the slow season, as slow as it gets out there. Well, one of the things we're doing right now is we're putting in two host sites. And what host sites are, are people they will have a place to come in and hook up their camper. And the reason we want that is we want some of our people to be out there at all times to prevent vandalism and to keep an eye on Green Pond. The county has a huge investment in that area, and if we have people there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that's going to be a big help to us in curtailing vandalism. And we don't get a lot, but we get some. And it'll all make, also make it a safer environment. And they can also, as part of the right to stay there they can pick up litter and make sure everything's all right and there's cameras and stuff out there already. there's cameras out there right now and what about the property that the county bought next to green pond there what what is that gonna do? well that part property was uh had the possibility of turning into something that would not have been desirable beside green pond and we were able to purchase that it has a house on it and right beside it is an historic African-American graveyard. Now, we didn't purchase that, but we're going to clean it up. But that gives us a place for conferences, also a place to store equipment, and kind of like a headquarters during a fishing tournament. So it was a great, great purchase by us to preserve that part of Green Pond. And this is sort of the time of year to do little upgrades because it's fixing to hit in full yes. tilt out of Green Pond, right? Yes, absolutely. Well, I mean, we've had tournaments every weekend. Had one last weekend, the weekend before. As a matter of fact, last weekend was the largest bag of fish in terms of weight that we've had in any tournament in a long time. Off the top of my head, it was 28 pounds. So the fishery's in good shape, and we're going to continue to make sure the fishery's in good shape. Speaking of good shape, how about the new stage at the Amphitheater Civic Center? Any new bookings planned there, concerts? Well, we have we have some concerts coming up with, that we're not at liberty to talk about right now because other people are putting those concerts on, and we're going to let them do their announcement and their thing like that. So that stage is going to pay off sooner rather than later. So promoters are taking note of it? And yes. How about the seating or potential seating there? Well, we would like to have some reserve seating down front. I think that would make it an even more attractive venue and we have some initial plans to do that but we have to raise the money and we're looking for money from other people to do that well, but we need to do that yes yes how expensive would that be do you have any idea yet well, i know to do the planning on it's probably going to cost around twenty thousand dollars but then to actually put it in not the whole area just around there because promoters want to sell premium seating right. that's where they make their money 
And so if we can get that in there, that's going to make it even more attractive. And old folks like me, you don't want to sit in blankets. No, and stuff. no. What about uh, theater? Any, any idea of putting some theater productions on out there? Yeah, we've talked to several theater groups about putting on productions down there, but that seating would make that more more perfect because it defines it. You know, if you put on a, put on a play out there, and you have all that empty space, it doesn't look like there's anybody going there. We're also looking into doing some tribute band performances out there this year. There are a lot of tribute bands in this area, a whole lot of them out of Greenville, out of the Atlanta area, and they're very popular, but they don't cost a lot of money to get. And we're looking at doing a series of concerts there, and, and possibly at Green Pond, too. Uh, and some of these people sound just like the real thing. And some of them they've been very popular like the Wahala Civic Center oh, Wahala Civic, Wahala Civic Center's been selling out Abbeville Opera House sells out and I think there's an appropriate venue and a place for that to provide more entertainment here in the county is there any, any long term plan to have a, a venue in Anderson we seem to be missing the sort of the auditorium kind of well we we don't have a peace center but well, we then don't again, have Spartanburg Memorial Auditorium we, we don't have Spartanburg Memorial Auditorium but one day there, there will be a demand for that there's a demand for it now, but there's just, we're building a jail, Anderson County Council's building a jail and several other things that we're doing, upgrading our facilities and everything, so there's just not money there for that right this point. What about the county's uh, recent recreation plans for each district? I know one of the things somebody asked me about that is, was there all the money to do everything? I said, and the idea is you got to have the plan in place before you can do anything. If you don't know what you want or what you need, well, you just want a bunch of money just to have a bunch of money? No, you need to have an idea of what you need to do so we can start picking these things off one at a time. So that's what that plan's about. That's where that is. So every council district has a plan now? Every district has a plan. Well, I think there's one more that they're just beginning to work on. And for economic development, if you can tell a company coming in, here's our recreation plans, that's important even if they're not... Well, they like to see that there's a, a livable community. We just received something yesterday, and we get stuff all the time, plus we look for stuff, that the Greenville, Anderson, Malden area is one of the fifth best places in the country to buy a house. That's going to bring more people coming to this area. So, I mean, we're getting something like that just about every other day about our area or Anderson or something. So the demand for those facilities is going to increase. Uh, the budget year is more than half over now. How are finances looking for this fiscal year? We're in good shape, but uh, Ms. Rita Davis, who is the chief financial officer of the county, guarantees that we're always in good shape. So we're right where we should be. And I'm sure they're already doing the, the groundwork for the coming year's budget. Any challenges we're looking at coming into next year? There's always a challenge right now with the inflation that's hitting everybody in the whole country. Thank goodness we don't have to buy eggs. But we do have to buy some eggs out of the jail. So, I mean, you know, everybody's faced with those challenges, but we're trying to maintain what we can within the budget level that we've been given by county council. And funding is now in place for the mental health court. How soon can it be up and running? We're still uh, putting the nuts and bolts together. Hopefully in about six months that will be a reality. And you just touched on it a minute ago, the detention center. Plans from that group? Do you, do you have any idea when you might see some plans? Uh, we're working on preliminary plans right now but that's a, a complicated situation there's no cookie cutter jail and what we want in a jail may not be what everybody else wants in a jail but i can assure you that our demolition efforts getting ready for the new jail are underway as a matter of fact the old armory as of yesterday is now on the ground so that's part and parcel of it but we're doing that in-house with our people 
So that's working very, very well. How about the Old Equinox Mill site revitalization uh, plans uh, to bring 120 houses and some retail and park space? Where are we at on that? Because of the tax credit situation with the state of South Carolina in reducing that number of tax credits, we have to wait for those tax credits to come back. The state reduced the number of those tax credits, and we've tried, but we will be applying again. And, and, and I don't understand the reasoning behind that because they said we don't want to give these tax credits because developers come in and make a bunch of money. Well, without those tax credits, developers don't come in because it's not financially feasible. So I think that's penny wise and pound foolish. But we've addressed that with members of the legislative delegation, and hopefully something can be changed on that. So waiting on the funding, I guess. So realistically, how long do you think? I couldn't tell you no until idea. I know when those tax credits come back in. Well, on good news, the old Cheney Mill site in Pendleton is beginning the process of building new housing and some retail. And the leadership in Pilton said they've worked closely with the county on that project. That's been a long time coming. It's been a long time coming. We work very closely with all of our towns, going from the uh, library situation in Iowa to what we're doing in Pelzer and West Pelzer and in Piedmont, what we're doing with the Shikola Mill and Honeyapath. And Pendleton, uh, Steve Miller, their administrator, is doing a remarkable job. You know, they're taking that old, abandoned, dead trailer park, and they're going to turn that into a very nice development. That's going to redevelopment, redevelop that whole side of town. The Cheney Mill is going to be developed. Uh, if you go to Pendleton to eat, then you need to park in Sandy Springs because they're dealing with that right now, and they're wrestling with that because the place is packed all of the time. Well, it's this significant in Pendleton, I think, because in my mind, it's the first real mill revitalization that's using the old buildings. Is yes. Right? Usually you get in there and the mill's already gone. In this case, that's entirely different. And they've also got the good news of the same developer working to actually, they're really cleaning off the oil mill property yes. and then doing environmental studies, and that's, that's going to continue to extend their downtown. And that's been, that's been a goal and a dream for over 15 years to do something with that property. And now, finally, it's going to happen. The old Pendleton oil mill site's going to be cleaned up, and they're going to put something very nice there. And I think they're working through the details on that right now. So the changes in, in funding, is it affecting all the mill sites around? The it affects every mill site because there's only a limited amount. And so you, in essence, have to get in line. So that's where that is. Uh, any announcements coming soon? More jobs? We have some more job announcements coming up probably in the next two to three months. But right now what we're trying to do is backfill the job positions that we have. If you ride around town, you can see major employers are desperately looking for people. And so we're trying to get over that hump. But I'm very happy to say we've probably off the top of my head, we have six businesses that we're growing at our incubator on 1428 high-tech entities that are out there and we provide a space for them to get their feet under under them so they can eventually move out into the county and start their business. So that's going real well. And it's something I don't think we've talked enough about is our soft landing zone slash incubator space out at 1428. But we intend to do a better right job of that. Right 1428. Well, 1428 is the old Ryobi building, which is now a or county. Singer building, or Singer building. Or Singer building if you're of a certain age. But now it's a county facility and we have a lot of things about 25 percent of the sheriff's departments out there we have space in the back warehousing that we actually rent out to private parties to help us maintain that building uh clemson extension service is now fully at home at 1428 we're very excited about that and we have incubator space we have a space for tri-county tech we have sc works out there it's really turning into something wonderful 
for the county and we also have our new automotive shop out there and we're also very excited that Tri-County Tech has purchased the old trucking company near there and they're going to turn that into their automotive center for the three county area and we've been in discussions with them about when they put that there that a we will be able to have apprentices from that program actually work in our shop give us first shot at hiring them but also provide a good working atmosphere for those students and I mean right now a good mechanic they're making a hundred hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year it's really up to them I mean and we have a shortage of those people. So we're excited to be partnering with Tech on that endeavor. They deserve every penny of it, a good Absolutely. How about, is the shortage of housing gonna be an economic development issue in the future? Uh, we need houses. Uh, there's no doubt about it, we need houses. That thing I just referred to about one of the fifth fastest growing places in the country. Yeah, we need places for people to live. Our rent is through the roof. We've discussed that earlier. Yes, but we need some more houses. But I will tell you that, but uh, I think the fact that economic development and industry coming in has created that demand for houses. It also, it didn't help when three different national publications said Anderson's a great place to retire. I met a gentleman last Friday and we were talking, and uh, he said, well, I, I lived in a little town in the Adirondacks. And I'm sitting there going, well, how'd you get from there? My question always is, well, how'd you get from there to here? I said, Adirondacks, that's beautiful country. He said, it's beautiful down here, and it's not as cold, and the lake's a whole lot bigger. So, I mean, you know. It, zoning is always an issue, as we've discussed before. Just This is just an umbrella thing. Explain to people how zoning in Anderson County works. I know you and I have talked about the history. and But this is how zoning works in Anderson County precisely. If people live in a certain area, we break it down to precincts, okay? They have to get a petition with, I think, don't hold me to it, but I think it's 10% of the voters in there, it could be 15%. Then that can go on the ballot, and those people can vote to have that area zoned. Met with people last Friday who were interested in zoning that area. Because if your area is zoned, what goes in there has to fall under that zoning classification. But it is citizen-driven, because there's some parts of the county, if the county council said, we're going to zone you, they would burn the courthouse down. So it is citizen driven. If you live in an area and you're interested in that, having that area zone, contact us. The county cannot be a proponent for or against, but we can certainly provide you the information on how to begin the process if you're interested in it. And we're getting a lot of people that are doing that. Some places in the county have been zoned for 25 years, and now others are just now saying, well, how come we don't have zoning? And it's our job to make them aware of how you go about zoning, citizen-driven, from the ground up, not imposed from the top. And it, part of the challenge is because our the people who started the after home rule, they didn't do any countywide zoning. They could have helped us out a lot early on if they. They could have helped us out a whole lot, of, a lot of different ways. <laughs> All right. The past month has also brought some challenges for paws and seizures of animals in two cases have exacerbated that problem. At last you've heard his paws recovered yet? Or? I talked with Dr. Sanders and the pressure has let off a little bit. We actually have a little open space, but for a while there we had absolutely no space. And, and this is hitting every place else. And I think you're having people turning in animals from COVID. 
you know, oh, we need we need spot, but now COVID's over, we don't need spot, and you have a lot of other sources for animals. We're getting more purebred animals in there than we've ever had before, and uh, our staff at Paws is the greatest shelter staff that anybody could have in the whole world from top to bottom. Those people do hard work. They love it. They love animals. They do a good job. But two weeks ago, we were in a jam. But I will tell you what, that the public responded by sponsoring, adopting, volunteering, and things like that. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better group. There have been shelters from around the country to come look at this as a Oh, there are shelters. I mean, you know, I, people, we have a shelter that's the envy of many, many people. Spartanburg County is just now building a shelter, okay? They're just now getting into that business. And so, yes, a lot of people come talk to us about Abbeville. Dr. Sanders helped them. Oconee, Dr. Sanders helped them. It's a whole lot of missionary work that she does. But we still assist our other counties in many occasions when they have a situation because our people are trained to handle those situations. The, it's not all seizures are real challenges. <clears throat> they're real challenges. But it's kind of easy when the director of all of your animal operations in Anderson County is also a vet. That doesn't happen too often. And one of the the most ardent animal (coughs) doctors I've ever run into. Absolutely. She went into the right field. And also this week, Anderson County debuted a new special needs registry, which is a voluntary registry for people to sign up. Families who have special needs adults or children, which will give first responders a more complete information uh, portfolio when responding to a call. And I talked to Anderson County Emergency Management Director Josh Hawkins about this new program and how it works. One of the things, and I, and I know I've, I've written about this, um, that seems to be a, a, a real, um, Thanks, something that's going to be really helpful is, is the new special needs registry that y'all are doing. Explain what that is. Yes, sir. So the special needs registry is just a, uh, it's an easy, quick way for people with special needs to be able to register with our 911 center and our emergency uh, management department. Um, what it does when you register is you let us know what your need is. It could be autism, it could be that you're oxygen dependent, it could be that you're wheelchair bound and not able to easily move and get out of your residence. There's a whole list in there that you can check and just let us know what's going on with you. It also gives us your emergency contacts. So if, if we find you unresponsive or we respond to you, we, we know who you are, we know who to call, um, and we know how to better help help you. Uh, as everybody knows, when we respond to a call, it's a little different when you're responding to somebody with special needs. Um, it could be a special medical need. It could be um, it could be something uh, an autistic uh, child is, is different to respond to. Um, there's different ways to talk to them and, and they may respond to us differently, uh, may not be able to show the emotions that we show. And it, it really just helps keep them protected, keep our officers protected, EMS, fire. Um, it, it goes across all boards when it goes through a 911 center. And this is voluntary and this is the privacy is in place? Yes, absolutely. So it's uh, completely voluntary. It's confidential. Um, the site that we use uh, to be able to take your data in is HIPAA compliant. Um, it goes to uh, goes to our emergency management department, it goes to our GIS, and it goes to our 911 center. Uh, what that allows is, is the 911 center puts it in their system, so when you dial 911, uh, it pops up on their map and, and lets them know that, hey, this residence has someone with special needs in it, maybe questions they need to ask, maybe something they need to pass on to the responders. It also uh, goes to GIS, and what GIS does for us is they map it. Um, So there's a confidential map that is shared between GIS and emergency management. 
And that map is vital when we have uh, the potential for flooding, we have the potential for mass power outages, we have the potential for any type of evacuation. It could be for a hazardous material release. Um, it gives us the ability to pull up a map, figure out that area that we've got to evacuate, and see if there's somebody that's wheelchair bound that has no way of physically getting out or may need a, additional assistance, and allows us to go check on those people. And Rusty says you have some other news coming out of Rich Yeah, so uh, we're very excited. Uh, we're very excited for something that we have been uh, wanting for years, needing for years. Uh, as everyone knows, we have this huge lake called Lake Hartwell <laughs> and uh, has a few marinas on it, has uh, fuel stations on it, has a lot of fire potential on it, um, but it also has a lot of rescue, EMS, and law enforcement needs on it. Uh, County Council uh, voted uh, over a year ago now to uh, purchase a fire boat. Um, so this is a fire, EMS, and law enforcement boat. It does everything. Uh, it's 28 feet long, eight and a half feet wide. Uh, it's gonna have twin 250 horse Yamahas on the back. Uh, it will have a big enough uh, platform on the front for divers, so our divers can get in and out of the boat, um, can store all their equipment so we can move the boat quickly. It'll have a removable fire pump so we'll actually be able to fight fires on the lake. Uh, we've responded to three uh, fires on the lake already this year just for islands catching on fire. Um, and we've, as, as you've probably seen in the news, we responded to multiple marine fires over the year, over the past years. So this is going to give us uh, another capability that we've desperately been needing on Lake Hartwell. And we're, we're really excited to use it. We're really excited to get it in. Um, we're hoping to get it in. The goal is, is it will be in before summer. Um, with COVID, with all the, the shipping issues and, and being able to get parts needed, it's taken a little longer than we've expected for the boat to be built. But the company is uh, actively building the boat right now, and we're really hopeful to see it soon. Remind people how what an upgrade this is or what you have. So um, we've got a, uh, it's a little over 10 years old now. We have a 10-year-old Carolina Skift, uh, which is a flat bottom boat. It is also 28 feet long uh, with a single 225 horse Yamaha on the back. And it, any of my boat, boat lovers out there, you can imagine what a 224, so 20, 224, 225 horsepower motor uh, does for a flat bottom boat. Doesn't really push it fast, doesn't get you where you need to go, and once we load all our dive gear in it, it's even slower. Um, we don't have any capabilities with fire suppression from Lake Hartwell uh, outside. Everything that we do with fire suppression either is throwing fire extinguishers on a boat or um, trying to hit whatever is burning from the shoreline with, with fire apparatus. Uh, this is uh, actually going to be a partnership with Anderson County Fire as well. Um, they're working, the, the county fire headquarters and commission are working on plans and, uh, and procedures uh, to provide firefighters for that boat um, so we can respond on the boat with firefighters, everything ready to go uh, with the fire pumps. It will have fire hose on the boat. It's going to have a deck gun on the boat so we can shoot water straight off the boat without having to pull hose. Um, but having the hose on the boat is vital too. When we have these fires on shorelines, uh, we, we can quickly respond from there too. Even if it's a house fire on land, you know, to be able to pull water from the lake, it's an endless supply of water for us uh, compared to a hydrant that may be few and far in between. Um, we, we do what we call taker operations where we just take fire trucks and relay them back and forth to the hydrant. This will give us the option of pulling water directly from the lake and speeding that process up and getting water on fire. 
And finally, for people who don't know, tell them what emergency management does. I mean, that people. Oh wow. Phrase. I know there's a lot of things, but just give yes. them the elevator pitch. So the I guess my elevator pitch was is we are uh, we're the jack of all trades. We we sit in the middle of everybody. So we uh, we assist fire, law, EMS, public works, the hospital systems, the nursing homes, the school districts, um, the county administration, uh, the municipality administrations. Um, if it's in Anderson County and it responds, we, we, we work with them. Uh, we help them. Uh, we basically do a lot of organizational stuff. So in the event of a natural disaster, uh, we, we open up what's called an emergency operations center, and we will work out of there with key leaders from each one of those organizations. Uh, what that does is allow us to be able to move resources around the county as needed and prioritize calls. Uh, natural disasters can hit at any moment and we have 210,000 plus citizens now uh, so that's a lot of homes it's a lot of facilities and uh, for example one tornado comes through we've got a lot of we've got a lot of resources in Anderson but we've got to use those resources wisely and so this allows us to help use those resources wisely um, the emergency management also is our uh, it's our gateway to outside of the county. So we're the ones who request assistance from outside the county, whether it be state assistance, whether it be our adjoining, adjoining counties, or it could be federal uh, assistance. We're the ones that actually are the gatekeeper to that. Um, you also provided help to other counties. And, uh, yeah. We do. We, we have mutual aid agreements. We, we provide help to uh, our adjoining counties, but we also provide counties all the way on the coastline. Uh, we have agreements all the way to Charleston, Columbia, uh, uh, Myrtle Beach. We've, we've been a little bit everywhere, and we've responded to a little bit everywhere because we're here to help. Uh, we have some specialized assets that other counties don't. Other counties have specialized assets that we don't. Uh, it really helps the tax base. It helps us spend money wisely. Um, every county doesn't need some grand thing that we only use one time a year when we have other counties that have that and we can just ask them to come in and help us. And if somebody circling back around wants to sign up for the special needs database or and I know you all have other programs too to help yes, people. Sir. Where, where can they go and what do they need to do? So uh, if you go to our website emd.andersonsheriff.org forward slash SN registry it's uh, that'll bring you straight to the page you've got two options you can complete it online on our uh, HIPAA compliant software or you can actually print out a PDF form and fill it in by hand and mail it into us we're happy either way um, we're happy to help either way and if you need help you can actually call our uh, office number it's on that website as well um, when you're in that website feel free to look around there's a lot of disaster preparedness tips there's a lot of uh, information about what goes on in anderson county and what our emergency operations center does what our emergency management division yeah a lot of things people don't think about is preparing for emergencies and they're and we're right real near near a nuclear station here and there's a lot of potential things that could go wrong that we don't want to think about but we do see the ice storms tornadoes uh flooding other kind of things that they're always there and have plans in place to take care of uh, also, Anderson County, 17 months ago, adopted a new countywide EMS system. And I've written a good bit about that. You can read those stories in the Observer. But those who are on the ground and who are leading and the partners met with the County Council Public Safety Committee this week to offer updates. The group basically said that the response time goal of under 10 minutes was successful in more than 90% of calls they received. 
and that a new software system is coming this summer which should not only improve response time but vastly improve communication among first responders they're bringing in trainers in March and by summer it should be up and running you can read more about that story and about that meeting in the Anderson Observer News from people you trust well this weekend the Market Theater will feature Winnie the Pooh a family show which runs through Monday and then the Market Theater which is led by Noah Taylor and his crew you know they may just offer the widest possible offering of live performances in the area and they always do a great job if you like theater, please get out and support our local theater because we have a lot of good stuff going on here, including beginning February 10th, there will be cries of Stella, which will fill the auditorium in Pelzer as the Milltown players bring the classic streetcar named Desire to the area. Still plenty of tickets available, and I will talk to Will Ragland, who founded the theater group before the de debut of this new production, and I know he's excited about it, and it's the first time that production has been done around here, at least in a, in a very long time. Well, that's about it for the Anderson Observer Podcast. News from people you trust. Join me next time when I'll have an interview with an Anderson County deputy who has a remarkable and famous past and also interviews with other local folks and leaders and possibly an announcement that is going to be a big deal for the Anderson Observer newspaper and news from people you trust. Join me next time. Until then, get out and do something to make Anderson a better place. heavy laden Made for the chapel with some spray paint for all the things we'd held in secret Lord lift up these lifeless bones Light cascading through the windows All the rainbows heavy tones He has fixed his sign in the sky he has raised me from the pit and set me high Left that place in ruin Drunk on the spirit and high on fumes Checked into a red roof and stayed up for several hours And then slept like infants In the burning fuselage of my days let my mouth be ever fresh with praise He has fixed his sign in the sky He has raised me from the pit and set me high Each morning new Each day shot through With all the sharp spots